0: Our weekly mailbag comes early this week. Welcome to the Locked On Jets podcast for Tuesday, November 23rd, 2021. I'm your host, John B. from gangreennation.com. Thank you so much for making this show your first listen each day. Joe Douglas, CJ Mosley, and the kicking game will be among the topics we discuss on this mailbag edition of the Locked On Jets podcast. You are Locked On Jets, your daily New York Jets podcast part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I hope your week is off to a good beginning. If you're traveling out there, please stay safe. Since it is Thanksgiving week, I have reconfigured the schedule a little bit. We are going to do our weekly mailbag show today on Tuesday. Usually we do it on Wednesday, but the holiday has forced me to change things up a little bit this week thanks to everybody who sent in their questions so quickly let's begin with a question from mark hey john love you love the show if pro bowl selections were today i cannot see a single jet making the pro bowl in the past we could count on at least seeing jamal adams or maybe before that nick mangold can you make the case for anybody on this team to be a pro bowler And if you cannot, is that an indictment on Joe Douglas's drafting and free agent management of the 53 men that he can't find one who's at least the best at his position or among the best? So a couple different questions there. Yeah, I'm with you, Mark. I can't think of any Jet I think deserves to go to the Pro Bowl. You know, the first couple of weeks of the season, I may have told you John Franklin Myers, but he really has not played well since he got that contract extension. I mean, the most notable thing he's done since the contract extension was that roughing the passer penalty on Sunday that really hurt the Jets. You know, you have rookies playing well, but I mean, I don't know Elijah Vera Tucker's been a Pro Bowl level. Elijah Moore the last couple weeks has been really good, but I don't think he's been consistent enough through the year to merit Pro Bowl consideration. Same goes for Michael Carter, playing well, but not consistently great through the year. Trending up, but not the complete season that I think you would need to be considered for the Pro Bowl. So, is this an indictment on Joe Douglas? I think yes to a certain certain extent. Now, I think when we talk about NFL teams and how they are building, we kind of put them into one of two categories. We say that they're win now or they are rebuilding, you know, they're focused on the future. But really most teams in the league fall between these two extremes. Typically, you have the team, maybe one or two teams at the very top that just don't care about their future. They're going all in this year. And maybe the Rams would be in that category where they've traded a lot of draft picks. And even then, I mean, they've traded their draft picks for, you know, a franchise quarterback, a top 10 quarterback, and they traded draft picks for, maybe the best shutdown corner in the NFL. And they traded a couple more picks for a Hall of Fame pass rusher. And these are guys who probably are going to last more than one year. But on the other end of the league, you have teams that are in total teardown mode. The Jets may have fallen into that category last year and even the year before. Miami was there a couple of years ago. Cleveland was there for a couple of years. Teams that just have no chance of competing. But in between these two extremes, I think, is where most of the NFL falls. You have teams that are trying to both win now and build for the future and they fall on varying degrees of the spectrum you have teams at the very beginning that are just at the start of their build that they don't necessarily have super bowl expectations for this year they're more focused on the future but they still want to win games this year and then you have teams that are very good right now but they still understand you know we got to draft good players because a year or two from now this key contributor is going to be old or he's going to be too expensive to keep we're going to have to prioritize with our cap position So we'd still need to keep an eye towards the future. That's where most of the NFL falls. I think the Jets fall more on the end of this is the beginning of our build. So you can't say that this should be a Super Bowl team right now. You cannot get on Joe Douglas for that. But I think to a certain extent, the fact that you don't have any pro bowlers here in what's really year two for Joe Douglas, I hear people say year three, well, 2019 was Mike McCagnin's team, Mike McCagnin handled free agency in the draft that year. So Joe Douglas's first offseason was really last year. And that offseason was really kind of a teardown offseason. The Jets were not very aggressive in free agency. Connor McGovern really got the only deal that was even moderate money. This year, the Jets were much more aggressive in free agency. Jets spent big in free agency this year. And the fact that we're two draft classes in for Joe Douglas, and we don't have a Pro Bowl player... And we've spent all this money in free agency this year. Now, some bad luck, of course. Carl Lawson getting hurt certainly did not help anything. But I think ultimately, yeah, I think Joe Douglas has to take a little bit of a hit. But again, we're at the beginning of this process. So I don't think it's a complete hit. I don't think it's necessarily the devastating blow it would be two years from now. Because again, we're at the beginning of the build. We're at the beginning of the process where you want to win games. Listen, we're past the point where you can just say record means nothing but we're still at the point where record is not everything. Now a year from now, we're going to be even closer, we're going to be fur- further into this build. And especially with all of the draft pick- picks the Jets have this year, this team needs to be a lot better next year. And two years from now, I mean, two years from now, I don't see any excuse for this to not be a playoff team. And if it's not a playoff team, I think it's going to be goodbye Joe, and we're going to be looking for a new GM once again. So I think to a certain extent, you can get on Joe Douglas with the understanding that we're not really at a point where the team is completely built. Would you like to see a couple pro bowlers here? Absolutely. Is it necessarily an indication that we're 100% going in the wrong direction? No, because the team is not completely built yet. And some of the players you hope will be pro bowlers in the future, maybe a Vera Tucker, maybe a Carter, maybe an Elijah Moore. These are guys who are still very young and could develop into pro bowlers. So I think there's some middle ground here. I don't think you can just totally absolve Joe Douglas. I think too frequently in the NFL, rebuilding is used as a blanket excuse for not performing. I don't think you can do that in this case. I do, however, think there is a degree of nuance here because they're so still early in the build that even though Joe Douglas takes a hit, it's not necessarily a hit that says, you know what, we got to make a change. This is a complete failure. I have no faith in this guy going forward. I think you have to fall somewhere in the middle. At least that's what I do. Our next question. On Monday's podcast, you seemed very animated about Joe Douglas not finding a kicker. This does not seem to be exclusively a Jets issue. Around the league, the quality of kicking is low. Prater was atrocious for the Cardinals on Sunday. Crosby's a liability. Myers isn't the kicker he used to be. There are currently eight teams converting field goals at a sub-80% rate. I don't believe this is a JD problem as much as it's a football problem. There's a major shortage of adequate quick kickers. Well, I disagree with you because of one stat you just gave. Eight kickers are below 80% on field goals. Eight. 32 teams in the NFL, eight teams below 80%. So three quarters of the league can find a guy to kick the ball between the uprights more than 80% of the time accurately. That's a Joe Douglas problem. You're in the bottom quarter of the league. And beyond that, when you look at those teams that are having issues with field goals, they have kickers who are capable of being effective. They're just having down years. It's one thing to have a kicker who's competent, who's having a down year. It's another to just bring in kickers who stink. And that's what Joe Douglas has been doing. Joe Douglas has been so obsessed with finding the big leg that he doesn't care if the ball goes between the uprights. And that's the important thing. And Part of the reason I was animated is the whole reason you brought in Matt Amendola is that you say, and essentially nobody ever said this, but you can kind of read between the lines of the type of kicker Amendola is. All right, fine, maybe we'll miss some shorter kicks, but he's going to be money on the 55-yarder on the really long kick. Well, he wasn't money; he missed it. So your entire theory behind this thing just went down. And I can give you another stat. I looked this up yesterday. There are six kickers in the NFL right now who have a higher than 88% rating on field goals this year, who were signed after training camp began. And this is the thing that drives me crazy. This is the reason I got so animated. Building a complete team is very difficult. Building a complete offensive line is difficult. Finding playmakers is difficult. Finding a shutdown corner is difficult. These things take time. You can't expect the Jets to be a playoff team this year based on what Joe Douglas inherited there needs to be some building. It takes time to build. Finding a kicker is the easiest thing in the NFL to do. I mean, I don't think there's any argument. The best argument against it is that one quarter of the NFL has a field goal conversion ratio under 80% just from the bottom quarter of the NFL. That's bad. You got to be able to find a kicker. That should be the easiest thing a GM does. Six teams have done it this year. Six teams have signed a kicker since training camp began who are making more than 88% of their kicks. Why can't Joe Douglas, after three years, find anybody who's remotely competent? It'd be one thing if, you know, you had a kicker who did well last year who kind of fell back this year. It's okay, fine. We found a decent kicker. He's having a down year. And that's the difference. The teams that are struggling have kickers who are decent kickers who have a down year. Joe Douglas brings in guys who can't kick in the NFL. It should be the easiest thing to do, and that's why I get so animated. I get animated when you can't even do the easy thing. Building an NFL team is hard enough. I mean, building the NFL team requires you hitting a bunch of three-pointers, essentially. you got to be able to hit the layups. Finding a kicker is a layup. Now ahead, we will turn our attention to C.J. Mosley on this Mailbag Tuesday edition of the Locked On Jets podcast. Thanks again for making Locked On Jets your first listen each day. We continue on this special holiday week Tuesday mailbag show. Our next question. Hi, John. I was rewatching the game film from the Miami game. and One thing that stood out to me that I did not expect was how badly CJ Mosley played. Apart from the obvious blown coverage on the Gaskin touchdown, Mosley was extremely slow to make reads, often filling the wrong gap or getting overpowered by offensive linemen. Am I alone in thinking this or has Mosley's play significantly dropped off? as the Jets defense has regressed. If he has regressed, how do you think the Jets should address the linebacker position in the offseason? That's a great question. So I have not had a chance to review the game film yet. Usually that's the reason the mailbag shows on Wednesday, because the game film typically doesn't come out until Tuesday, at least the all 22 footage. But what I can tell you is that I've noticed a lot of the same things in recent games from Mosley. So I mean, is he playing hurt again? I don't know. But I agree with you. His level of play has significantly dropped off in recent weeks you know in the early part of the season he was playing well now I don't think he was worth the money he was getting but he was playing well I mean you were at least getting value from him and that's a big difference it's a big difference to say you know what this guy's not worth what he's getting but he's at least giving me something positive positive. and you know he was really a big part of that defense when they were playing not great but at the early stage of the season they were at least playing credible football for stretches and Ever since he had that injury prior to the bye, the defense has been awful, and he really has not played well. You're right. He's filling wrong gaps. I mean, a couple of plays last weekend against Buffalo, he was slow to the ball where he could have made a play, and it turned into a big play for Buffalo. It's a problem. And, you know, I, I think at this point, you got to say, Mosley might go down as Mike Mcagnan's worst value signing, which is really saying something. I, I never really understood this because it seems like in the fan base, Mosley has become revered. And listen, I'm not saying you have to dislike the guy. It's not his fault he got hurt in 2019. You can't blame him for opting out last year. But I don't understand why the guy has to be revered. He's made a lot of money and done virtually nothing for this team. And I go back to that contract the Jets gave him. I mean, the issue I had with it was it was just so out of the blue. You know, when the Jets gave Trumaine Johnson a big contract, I hated that move. But I at least understood why they did it. They needed a corner. And there was no shutdown corner available. Trumaine Johnson was kind of what happens when you want there to be a shutdown corner available, but there isn't. And you just just pretend that there is one. Linebacker wasn't even like in the top five of most pressing needs for the Jets at the time they got Mosley. They weren't really running a linebacker dependent system. And they gave him this enormous contract, what was at the time a deal that made him one of the top paid defenders in the NFL. I just don't get it. Now the Jets are running a pretty linebacker-dependent system. It's a pretty important piece of this defense, whereas it really wasn't as important in Greg Williams's defense. In fact, I can tell you that because Mosley was not in the lineup the two years of Greg Williams. And while the defense had issues at times, and while the linebacker play wasn't spectacular, Neville Hewitt especially got exposed in coverage. But they kind of got by with it. I don't think it was really that big of a problem for that defense. Now it's a problem because linebackers are really important in the Robert Sala defense. I mean, I think they got to look this offseason. I think they got to do something big to address this. I don't know whether that's a free agent signing. I don't know whether that's a move in the draft. See, there are certain positions where I feel like there's a specific avenue you have to take. Like tight end, I think, has to be done in free agency because it's just really difficult to transition to the NFL you very seldom see a tight end produce year one because you got to learn the blocking. You got to learn not only the tight end routes, the receiver routes. I mean, you're essentially, I don't know that it's half offensive line, half wide receiver, but I mean, that kind of is the essence of the position, isn't it? It's really difficult to ask a first year tight end to come in and, and fill that role adequately. So tight end, I think, has to be done in free agency. I don't know. I think they have to do something big at the linebacker position, whether that's an early pick in the draft. I mean, I don't know that I'd pick linebacker top 10, but, you know, maybe one of the second round picks, you you look at some of the prospects available. We'll get into it more there. But I do think something big has to happen at the position. Next question. Quincy Williams had 15 tackles against Miami. Mosley had eight. This tells me Mosley is being misused in Salah's system. We have a four-time Pro Bowl, $17 million linebacker being outplayed by a minimum-salary little brother of Quinn and Williams. When will the Jets' defense make sense? Well, the fact Quincy Williams outplayed C.J. Mosley sounds a lot more like a C.J. Mosley issue to me than a coaching issue, because if a limited player like Quincy Williams can have success in this system, why can't C.J. Mosley? Now, I don't know that Mosley is a great fit for this system. It's maybe the classic square peg in a round hole because he's being asked to play a different role than he did in Baltimore. You know, there was plenty of publicity about the weight he was asked to drop this offseason. But I mean, I don't know what you can do. I mean, would you really want to build your defense around CJ Mosley? This was the whole problem is when the Jets signed him, they treated him like he was Ray Lewis in his prime. C.J. Mosley was an excellent player in Baltimore, but the contract they gave him was just crazy. And here's the other problem for the Jets. They can't really get out of it. This contract is such an albatross that there's no way to escape it after this season. They have to wait another year to get out of it. I mean, this is the the ghost of Mike McKagan continuing to impact the Jets. Just a bad contract. And by the way, like, this is nothing personal. Like, I like C.J. Mosley a lot personally. He did the podcast. He was great. He was a great guest. He was awesome. So nothing against C.J. Mosley. Like, I love C.J. Mosley, but it's pretty clear that this has been a relationship that has not worked out for the Jets. Ahead here on the Locked on Jets podcast, we'll talk about the learning curve for players in a new system. But before we get to that, it is Thanksgiving, and we all know what that means. Football. And nothing goes better with football than turkey and betting and BetOnline has you covered for all the holiday season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. BetOnline remains your number one spot for all the sports action this Thanksgiving. Head to the new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus with promo code LOCKEDON to receive your bonus. That's one word with no space, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N for a 50% welcome bonus. It's not just football. BetOnline has pro and college hoops, NHL, boxing, UFC, and even your favorite favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Bet online. They're stuffed with deals this Thanksgiving. This is a special Tuesday holiday locked on Jets mailbag. Our next question, I have been hearing that the Jets new coaching system for offense and defense is similar to the 49ers and that it takes a year for a team, especially a young team, to learn? Is there any validity to that? Is that a reason to hope for a huge improvement next year? Well, you know, it's funny. This question popped into my mind a little while back, and I had the opportunity to interview Chad Pennington on an episode of the Locked On Jets podcast. Now, Chad did not play in any of the 49ers' current schemes that have been brought to New York, but I asked him, how difficult it is to learn a system, and what Chad said to me was essentially: it's one thing to understand a system when you're in the classroom on a chalkboard; you can understand it intellectually, but it's another thing to understand it instinctively when you're on the field. You know, when the action is happening, do you understand exactly where you need to go? Do you can you process things quickly, and that takes more time. So I do think that there's something to the idea that first you're in a new system, maybe that's the root of some of the struggles. Now, I do think this whole idea is sometimes used mistakenly to keep bad coaches around because you'll hear the argument, well, you don't want to put them in a new system. You don't want them having to learn a second system in two years. You don't want this guy to have to learn a third system in three years. Well, sometimes the system is bad. Sometimes the coaching is bad. Sometimes you just have to make that change. But I do think there's an advantage to having multiple years in the system because you get more comfortable with the concepts. I mean, you saw that a couple of weeks ago against Buffalo, and they even told the announcers prior to the game, the announcers kind of relayed that message that those players were much more comfortable. They've talked about how they could go deeper into the system, how they could add new things because everybody had a baseline understanding of the, of the defense. Now, how much that means after Jonathan Taylor ran all over Buffalo, I can't tell you, but there definitely is something to the idea, especially with a young team, of getting a base of knowledge in the system, and hopefully you will see better results next year, when even if they understand it in the classroom setting, maybe by next year they'll have a more instinctual understanding of the system the Jets are running. And our last question, was Mims, was Mims even dressed on Sunday? No snaps, it's getting weird, he can't even get onto the field late into the season, Yeah, I don't think the coaching staff really believes in Mims. The whole Mims thing has been confusing to me because if you don't believe in the guy, I don't understand why you would not have traded him. The Jets apparently got trade offers for him. Now, we don't know how good the offers were. You know, if somebody's offering a a conditional seven for him, maybe you hold on to him. But it just doesn't seem like it clicks with the coaching staff and Mims. Maybe it's something behind the, the scenes. I think the issue with this is that we don't really know who's to blame for this because so much is unknown about This whole situation. I've seen situations where it's really the coach's fault, where maybe they're too hard on the player. Maybe they're not realistic in their expectations. Maybe they're just getting upset with things that don't really matter. But there also are instances where things are going on behind the scenes, where maybe the player's not doing things right. And sometimes it's a little bit of both. Now, I will say this. Mims got a couple opportunities in recent weeks and did not do a whole lot with them. Lots of drops, not a lot of production. So maybe that comes into play. And that's one of the the things that makes it difficult for me to really get that upset for Mims because when he had his opportunities, I don't think he took advantage of them. He had, again, I could three drops come to mind, one in the end zone on a pass Mike White through against the Bengals, a couple drops against the Colts. You know, he's got to be better when he's out there. And if he doesn't produce when he gets his opportunities, it becomes more and more difficult to complain that he's not getting those opportunities. And beyond that, I mean, Elijah Moore really flashing I mean you're getting to a point where it's difficult to take one of these receivers off the field for Mims you got Elijah Moore playing really well Corey Davis look I know Corey Davis gets a lot of criticism Corey Davis is a good receiver Corey Davis in spite of his mistakes this year has been a pretty productive player for the Jets and you have Jamison Crowder the reliable guy from the slot so difficult to find where Mims gets playing time and again to be fair he got his opportunities the last couple of weeks and did not take advantage of them. But you know, it seems like something's going to have to give this offseason because I don't see how you bring Mims back unless you're going to play him. I mean, that's just me. It seems like they don't want to play him, but they don't want to deal him either. So I don't know what's going on here. We'll find out more, presumably, in the weeks ahead. Anyway, that's all for our show today. Thank you for listening. This has been the Locked On Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. As always, if you enjoy the show, subscribe to it and leave it a good review. I hope you have a great Tuesday, everybody. Again, be safe if you're traveling out there, and I'll talk to you again tomorrow.